When we get to a place like this where we're at here this morning, I feel very inadequate, I'll tell you. There's no way in the world that somebody like me can express with words what we're going to talk about this morning in a way that's really... Well, it just can't never reach reach the goal of trans of uh, communicating what is really here. Thought about this for two or three weeks, and I just I thought of a lot of things. But my, it's just let's go to John chapter one, verse twenty nine, and let's read through verse thirty four. The next day. John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am... Am I come baptizing with water? And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. That's the second time he said that. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So, the Bible is full of so many wonderful things, beautiful things. I was thinking about it last night. We can't even count them all. We can't find them all in a lifetime. It's really got to be where it's just wonderful to me to read the Bible and to ponder on everything that's in there, every little incident. I was thinking about the woman with the alabaster box and all the applications of that, that little story. It's not just a little story. It was put in the Bible for our entertainment. It was put in there as a testimony for her. You know, I mean, of who he was. There's so so much. There's just... So many things throughout the Word of God that are just beyond beautiful, beyond wonderful. It's a shame to me that people live through their life and miss it all. Miss it all. Can't imagine. What's so amazing is that all of them are either about Jesus or they're shadows and types of Him. All of them. All of the wonderful things that you find in the Word of God. All of them are about Him. He's the center of everything. All things were made by Him and they were made for Him. And for His pleasure. He's the Word. We've already been in this chapter long enough to realize He's the Word. He's the life. He's the light. He's the light of men. What else can you say? What else have we left out there? Where, is there anything that he's not? He has to be our all in all. You're not there until he is all in all. Christ is all in all in your life. You just not. You've not yet saw it. You've not yet escaped the. Fantasy of the world and entered into the reality of God. Jesus said in, five, in chapter 5 verse 30 of John, I'm sorry, 539 of John, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Now when John the Baptist proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God, I don't know how much you've sat and thought about this, but I have. Those were the most important words ever spoken on this earth. Think about that. I hope I can get you to see that before we get done here. These words have more meaning and are more profound than any words ever uttered on this earth. 
Behold the Lamb of God. That's why Jesus said that John was more than a prophet. What he, what John got to say was the sum of all that God had promised and all the prophets had spoken of and more. That's why Jesus said, yeah, and more than a prophet. It was because of these words right here. John got to say them. It was not about him. He wasn't talking about somebody who wasn't there. He said, this is him. Behold. That word alone is more than we take it for. Behold means to look. Look. Gaze upon this. Focus your eyes upon this. Looky here. Attention! The Lamb of God. He was more than a prophet. Now only God Himself and angels had ever made such an announcement until now. But now it's a man uttering these words that the faithful of all ages had Long to hear. Behold the Lamb of God. Abraham longed to see my day. And he saw it. Well, he saw it through the eye of faith. But he didn't hear a man's voice saying, There he is. Here he is. This is him. This is the Lamb of God. Do you, can you just get your mind around that a little bit here? John. That was what he was, he came into this, that's what he's born for. That's what he, his life was all about, was this moment. I knew him not, but, how did he say it there? I knew him not. Uh, Well, wait a minute, I missed it. (laughs) Hang on. Let me get my eyes cleared up here. I knew him not. He said it twice here. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize water, the same said unto me. He didn't know him before. I don't believe that. Everything I've ever read, I don't have found anybody that believed John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins, so they knew each other and they fellowshiped together all naked. You know, no. John didn't know him until he showed up. Why would God say he whom the, you see the Spirit descending on and remaining or abiding? Why would he say that's him? Why would he leave it as a mystery to John who it was until that moment? That's the way it happened. John lived his life knowing why he was here. But he didn't know. I knew him not until the Lord showed me right now. Behold, the Lamb of God. I told you He was coming. And now there He is. So He was a prophet because He said He was coming, but He was more than a prophet because He got to introduce Him to the world. So only God, the angels, and I I don't want to get mixed up here, but... uh, because in my order that I wanted to present this, but but uh, other men through all of the ages. Listen to Matthew chapter 13, verse 16 through 17. But blessed are your eyes, Jesus said, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. But you're hearing them. You're seeing what they long to see. You're hearing what they long to hear. This is a special time. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 10 through 14. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. 
Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. They wanted to know when. They, they looked for the day and they wondered when it was. And they searched the Scriptures and they sought after God to know. They never did. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which is in them did signify when it tested beforehand of the, testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. I'm going to hold my finger there so I don't lose my place again. But they, these prophets of the past, they finally realized that their ministry was not to themselves or their contemporaries. It was to us. <laughs> the things they wrote that are written in this book were for us. They didn't understand a lot. They wanted to. They longed for it and they searched for it and they desired, but they didn't get what everybody got that day. And everybody that was there that day didn't get it either. They didn't really get it. They didn't, they didn't understand the importance of those words, even though there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. They didn't hear, they didn't, they didn't see the spirit descending in the form of a dove and get it. They just didn't understand. That's why it's so hard nowadays. You know, in Hebrews he says there's a lot of things you need to know, but you're dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Slow to learn. Them as disciples said, oh, Jesus said to them, oh, fools, and slow of heart to understand all that the prophets have spoken. They spoke it for you. All these things were written so that now you can understand. I've come. The, the Lamb of God has come. <clears throat> See what I mean? There's no way. There was no way to express it. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your minds, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. <clears throat> Don't be ignorant. Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what happened here at the Jordan River. John said, Behold the Lamb of God. This is Him. Not hiding. It's not a secret anymore. This is the Son of God. He said at the end of those verses there. This is the Son of God. They came to Him later. You know, they sent to Jesus saying, Art thou the Christ? They crucified him because he said he was the Son of God. And John had testified that he was the Son of God before Jesus ever said anything to anybody. Now the angel of the Lord had announced his birth to a few shepherds in the field. And we got a whole big season of the year now that we supposedly celebrate that. That the angel of the Lord announced to a few shepherds in a field one night, long ago. They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, behold. There's that word again. I bring you, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. He was born but nothing yet. There's no cross yet. There's no miracles yet. There's no announcement behold the Lamb of God. These few shepherds <laughs> were told by an angel He's here. He's here. He's born, but there's more to come. There's more to come. When the angel told them that, John was just a little baby. 
But John introduced him personally to all the people and religious leaders and to all the world. I don't know how to make that real to you like I've seen it, but it's just something that John introduced the Lamb of God to the world. It happened on this earth, not in heaven. We'll see that in a minute, but this happened on the Jordan River. Those words rang out. So there's no way to put into words the fullness and the weight and the glory of these five little words. But let me tell you some things here real quick. They're the answer to everything in this life and the life to come. You just need to memorize them. You need to put them in your heart. They ought to be the first thing that come to your mind in every trial, every trouble, every obstacle, everything in life. It's a disappointment, a discouragement. A... Behold the Lamb of God. What does it mean? Look at Jesus. Look to the Lamb of God. You just They work every time. They're the, they're the way out of every problem. Every trial. Every dilemma of life. Behold, the Lamb of God. Isn't that the answer? Look to Jesus. Can you remember that? Or can you just forget that? These words ought to be burned into us so deep that that, that's the first thing that comes to our mind. They'll suffice to answer every question, every doubt, and every mystery of life. Why did this happen to me? Well, why don't you just do what the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. They're the sum of all counsel and wisdom when we don't know what to do or where to turn. What's the best advice you can take or what's the best advice you can give anybody else? Same, same thing John said on the Jordan River that day. Behold the Lamb of God. In Him are hidden all the wisdom. Hid all the wisdom and knowledge of everything. Everything is in Jesus. He's the center of everything. Behold Him. Look to Him. Focus your view on Him. We sang about it. We sang... Uh, you know, looking into his face and all the troubles of the world, the world will grow stem, dim, strangely dim in the glory of his, in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. I'm backwards, see, everything's backwards, but I finally get there. I run around every tree once or twice before I finally get it. They're the words that give hope no matter the circumstances or the situation. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. Why would you turn to man to help you? Why would you turn to man for encouragement or strength when that's all you've got to do? Is behold the Lamb of God. It's sufficient here. It'll be sufficient in heaven. When we get to heaven, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, but there's there's a book, and it's all that matters, and nobody can open it. But one. Who's the one? The Lamb. So when there's this dilemma in heaven, and nobody knows what to do, and there's nobody that can help us, who helps us? Jesus does. So he'll, it'll do the same thing here. Amen. That's why I keep trying to stress these words. They're so important. They're the way of salvation. They're the way of life. They're the way to victory over sin. Isaiah 45.22 God said this, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's talking there? Don't separate Jesus from the Father. They're one. Always have been, always will be. Whatever God the Father said, that's what the Son said. Whatever the Son said, that's what God the Father said. Some people don't like red letter Bibles because they say all of it's the Word of God. True. I like the red letter Bible because it's what Jesus spoke when He was living in this world. It just marks that difference. And I like it. I don't just, it don't make me think those are words that are the Word of God while the rest of it's the Word of somebody else. No, it's all the Word of God. Just like we read in Isaiah just then. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So you look unto him, he, he's done all that. What have we done? We read this morning that, I think that was in what we read this morning. Yes, it was. And it said, after that, it, it, uh, it says, ye have not yet suffered unto blood. Striving against sin. He did. What if it comes to that? How are you going to make it? By your resolve and your inner strength and your determination. Or some decision you've made. No. You're only going to make it by looking unto Jesus. It's the only way Moses made it. That's the only way David ever made it. That's the only way Abraham made it. That's the only way anybody's ever made it. Is looking unto Jesus. These words, they're balm for the soul. You just look at Him. Look at Him. Look at Him in the Scripture. Don't look at a picture somebody painted of Him out of their imagination. Don't look at some idea in your imagination of what you think He is or what you want Him to be. Look in the Word of God. There's plenty there that's reality to hang your hat on, to drop your anchor in, to get a hold of for your soul. All you got to do is just read a little bit. Just, how in the world can anybody open to the to the Gospels, any of the New Testament, and not get a... I mean, just got, get your soul full immediately. Read this a little bit. Jesus. Wow. Never been anybody like Him. Never will. We count... Mankind measures time by His birth. Nothing has ever even come close to having the effect and influence on the human race as He he did in His short life here on earth. Jesus. Wow. You don't have to make up stuff. It's all right there. Just get started reading and read slow and think. It'll cheer you right up. It'll give you strength. It'll give you hope. It'll bring you out of the glummies. It'll get the devil off your back. They immediately impart strength. These words, behold the Lamb of God. Think about Jesus. Look to Jesus. They immediately impart strength to the weary mind and body. And they immediately bring light to the darkness. How can you stay in the darkness? How can you fear when Jesus is near? Tell me, how can you do that? How can you sing songs like that and not realize what you're saying? How can you do sing songs and not really believe it, that it's true? You ever get afraid? What God always says, fear not. If you look to Jesus, if you'll just behold the Lamb of God, you won't fear. (laughs) They're absolutely the only hope for the guilty soul. 
Do you see the importance of those words that John the Baptist said? Can you just get a little bit of an idea of how all-encompassing they are in all of everything to do with humanity and God? Those words. How could you sum it up? How could you compact it into any smaller of a phrase in language, words, than to say, Behold, the Lamb of God. There was a lot of people, there were a lot of people there that day that understood what he was saying. So many things that were said, especially by Jesus, like when he said to those Pharisees, you tell them, I am. Oh, two little words. Yes, the power. This is that way. This is like that. This is the... This is a whole, a, li- a man's whole life consisted of these words that he said. I mean, that's what he was born for. That's what he lived for. That's what God prepared him for. For, well, John was six months older than Jesus or three months, something like that. We'd, something like that. Mary or Elizabeth was six months when Mary went to visit her. I believe that's right. And anyway... He was barely older than Jesus was. So we're talking about somebody that's 30, 31 years old. He'd lived that long, been prepared that long to say these words. What did he feel like when he was able to say that? Say that. Have you ever believed something? I mean, just known it by faith. I mean, you just knew God had given you this assurance about something, and then it, then it really happens. And you see the reality. Faith becomes sight. That's what happened to John that day. Faith became sight. God said to John, there he is. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe Jesus said, I'm he. I don't, he knew. I don't matter how it, how it was, God does that. It's, it goes beyond our way of, of communicating and everything. God assured John, this is it. This is it. And he knew. So they're all, they're the, they're the only hope for a guilty soul. We're going to send somebody who's dying of guilt. Behold, the Lamb of God. Those people there that day, they knew what the Lamb of God meant. I mean, they had an idea. They were taught. They knew about the Passover. They knew. I mean, they had religious background. They had background in the Word of God and the promises of God. We're talking about Israel. So when he said those words, there was so much more meaning there than we can even begin to give here this morning. But there, these words are the only way for the defiled to be made pure. How are you going to be sanctified? We've got to come to Him. He's the one who sanctifies. That's what he said. They're the only hope when we're dying. When you're dying, are you going to be beholding the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world? The one who overcame death for you? How how in the world can you die Without him, we were talking about this the other day, and I—that's a big one for me. I don't understand how people can be approaching death and they know it, and they've never given God the time of day or a thought in their mind, a good thought. How? How can they not be afraid? They're—they're they're about to pass out of this life. How can they not? Lay there in the bed or sit in their chair and not wonder and then fear. 
He is our only hope when we're dying. He's These words are the theme of heaven's praise. Do you understand that? What are we going to be singing in heaven? What are we going to be praising in heaven? The Lamb. That's who. The same one. There's just one. He's the very same that was stepped onto the banks of the Jordan River that day. He's the very one that John pointed at that day. He is in heaven, seated on the right hand of the Father. He's coming back, Seth mentioned in Sunday school. In like manner as you've seen him go away, he's coming back for his church, for his bride, that he has sanctified, that he has cleansed. <laughs> he's the theme of these words are the theme of heaven's praise. And they're also the explanation for all the faithful people of the Old Testament. We were reading in Hebrews 11 the other day. In Hebrews 11 verse 19, when Abraham sacrificed Isaac, he went up to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Now that's being pretty clear. From whence he, from whence also he received him in a figure. Received him. He received him. I believe when he was born. He was already. But here he absolutely received Isaac. As if he had come back from the dead. When the angel of the Lord. Stopped him at the last second. And said stop. And when Abraham said to Isaac. Before that, he said, God will provide himself a lamb. <laughs> or a ram, he said. Abraham received it in a figure. What does that mean? He understood just exactly what God was promising to him, to his seed forever. This was it. When John said, Behold the Lamb of God, he was talking about the same thing that God was talking to Abraham about thousands of years before. It was, it was the culmination of the promise. Here he is. Now watch what he does. Pay attention from this point forward. This is the Lamb of God. That taketh away the sins of the world. Moses, in Hebrews 11, 26, 27, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Did y'all hear that? That's in Hebrews, that's in the New Testament. It's speaking about Moses of the Old Testament. And it says that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches. Or greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. How did he make it? How did Moses make it? By seeing him who is invisible. Who, who is he talking about? The Lamb of God. Now, John was not the last one that proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God. The last thing that Jesus did with his disciples before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Before the crucifixion. Was to eat the Passover with them. Luke 22 verse 14 through 20 says, And when the hour was come, he sat down. Remember he had sent them to a place. He said, you go and you, there'll be a man and, a, and you'll go prepare a place. And, and then we'll eat the Passover. When the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, listen to this closely. This is at the end. With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. See if you can figure out what he's telling them with this. With desire, I have desired we're still, we're talking about that on Wednesday nights and we still got some more to go on that, but desire is much more than just, I'm hungry. No, desire is, it's all consuming. 
with desire. Jesus said, I've desired to eat this Passover with you. They had Passover every year. He, they'd been with him three years. He said, this Passover. Because this one was different. There were some things different about this. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks. And said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. What was he saying to them? Behold, the Lamb of God. This is the Passover. The Lamb. The atonement for sin. The Passover Lamb. Christ is our Passover, the Bible says. What's he saying to them? One more time. You're looking at the Lamb of God. That's what this is all about. My blood is about to be shed. My body is about to be broken. Just like you've done for all these thousands of years at Passover. That's what this is about. Behold the Lamb of God. His strong desire that he had looked forward to was to show them he was the Lamb of God before he died. Just in case you didn't get it so far, I want you to understand this is my blood. This is my body. I am the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who's, who gives his life, his blood, sheds his blood for your sins. What he was basically saying to him was, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, Revelation 5 tells us of a scene in heaven that is yet to come, where all of heaven will be introduced once more to the Lamb of God. Revelation 5, 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? To open the book. And to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth. Neither under the earth. Was able to open the book. Neither to look thereon. And I wept much. Because no man was found worthy. To open and to read the book. Neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me. Weep not. We've not. Stop your crying. It ain't over yet. <coughs> Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb with a capital L as it had been slain. That's another subject. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth unto all the earth. Now that's beyond our comprehension right now. Don't say, explain nothing to me. (laughs) I can't. Neither can anybody else. But I know who he's talking about. And I don't care about the seven heads and the horns and all of that. Now, when I see it, then I'll I'll know. And it'll mean something. He didn't put it there for just fill words. It means something, but we have no idea right now. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Ain't that something? (laughs) Nobody could even look at the book. And he comes up and takes it out of his hand. The hope... The hope. The whole, the whole, all of heaven was, oh no, weeping. What are we going to do? And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, 
having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song. A new song. Not a repeat. Nobody's ever heard this song before. We haven't heard it yet either. Saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice. Now these are ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands and ain't none of them whispering. Ain't none of them sitting there silent. Ain't none of them just lip syncing. They're all saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy to receive power and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I, saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. What's the decibels going to be? Can't imagine. Can't imagine. That many people saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. What Lamb? Same one that John said, Behold. There he is right there. This is the beginning of the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Every person who has beheld the Lamb of God should join John the Baptist and heaven and all the pages of the Bible and also proclaim to the lost world around them, Behold the Lamb of God. What hope is there for our children? If they don't look to Jesus, there is no hope. If we can't get them to really behold. Behold. Stop. Look at. Consider. Dwell upon. Don't just glance and look away. Don't Figure, don't create some imagination in your mind about Him. Look at Him. How do you do that? Read the Word of God. Read what the Word of God says about Him. It's full from Genesis to the very last word in the Bible. It's full of Jesus. If you want to know Him, here's how you got to know Him. These, the Scriptures, are they which testify of me, He said. We're all, a lot of people now, they're interested in the secret codes that are in the Bible and all the numbers and how they all fit in all kinds of weirdo, oddball stuff that's off the mark. All you need to see, the main thing, all you need to focus on in this book, look for Jesus. Yes. Look for His face. Yes. Look for His character. It, look for what he, it tells us about Him. You'll, you, you ain't got time in a lifetime. To find everything that's in here that talks about him. So you better get to it. It's really all we can do for anybody else. Uh, anybody else in the world. We talk about witnessing and we got all these plans and what to say and how to answer and, and outthink them and outmaneuver them and all of that. And really the only thing that's effective is if they can just see Jesus. If we can get them to see Jesus. Those four men that brought their crippled friend to Jesus, they understood that. They could have went to the meeting, left him at home, come back and told him all about him. But that wasn't good enough. That wouldn't have done the trick. They had to get him to Jesus. And Jesus, when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, when he saw what they really understood and believed, What a disastrous loss and waste to live a lifetime on this earth and never behold the Lamb of God. You ever think about that? Until it's too late for your soul. We had a neighbor this week died. Lived 82 years. 
And he never would listen to nothing. If anybody tried to say anything to him about the Lord, he'd, no, 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 no. Don't talk to me about that. Now his sister told my wife, and you know, this is one of these things. I, she said that she stayed after him for all these years and he would never listen to her. But not too long ago, she asked him again and she said, I'm just scared to death. You're just going to die without God. Won't you think about it? Won't you, won't you ask Jesus to save you? And he said, I did. So, I hope he did. It's hard for me to understand how you can live that long and hate God so much. And then, but there was a thief on a cross. So I sure hope he did. I didn't want him to go to hell. His image is superimposed on all of creation. And it's visible on every page of this book. And yet men keep their eyes focused on the ground before them. Below them. And won't look. When John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. You think he just pointed to somebody in the crowd and, and nobody really knew which one he's talking about? No, 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 no. I don't believe it's that way at all. I believe everybody saw who he was. How many people you think were there working a Rubik's Cube or looking at their phone or, you know, I mean, I'm being, you know doing whatever they did back then. Did they have fidget, what is they, spinners back then, ping, 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 and didn't pay no attention? No, I think it was, there was enough of the power of God there that when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, every eye looked to Him. All those people have been dead long, long, long ago now. Some of them have really seen Him. In His glory. <laughs> well, that's another thing. A lot of people are losing all their hope because there's all these jokers going around teaching that when you die, you just you sleep in the ground till Jesus comes and you're just soul sleep. You don't go to heaven when you die. Well, my Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible just throws all kinds of kinks and all those crazy ideas that people come up with. Whosoever will may come. Uh, and then they say, you don't have a will. There's whole doctrinal systems that says you, you don't have a will. What in the world? If you will, whosoever will may come. Well, what in the world does that mean? Maybe I'm too simple-minded, but I, that's, you got to get awful deep to make me believe that that don't mean they have a choice. My, my, my. Everybody had a choice that day, and I think they looked at him. All right. Let us not be silent in this matter, but let us make sure that others can behold the Lamb of God in us. Isn't that the way it is? Isn't that the hope? Isn't Christ in us the hope of glory? Does that mean just for us? Or does that mean for everybody else too? That's exactly what it means. We're His body. We're, we're His witnesses. Yes. We're His ambassadors. That we're, that's what we're here for. And if they can't see Him in us, they can't never see Him any other way. How are they ever going to see Him? Natural man... Receiving not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. So see, example is the strongest influence. Yes, sir. The lost world knows more about who Christ lives in than people who profess to be Christians. <laughs> the church is the lesser light. What is the lesser light for? 
the moon, the sun, the moon, what the lesser light to give light by night. That's where we're at. What does the moon do? Does the moon emit light itself? No, the moon reflects light off of the sun, and that's just exactly what we're supposed to do. They're to see Jesus in us. The light of His face. If we're beholding Him, the light of His face will reflect off of us. People can see it. When Moses came down from the mountain, he shined, his face shined. They had to put a veil on him. People couldn't look at him. Right. <laughs> so that's weird stuff. No, is this what it is? You can tell. You can tell. Christ in us makes others start looking. Where is He? Yes. Where does this come from? This difference that we see a world full of hatred and strife and just wickedness. Where does this purity, where does this kindness, this love, this mercy, forgiveness, where does this come from? How does a person, how can they be that way? They got to see it in us before they can behold His face. We got to get them to Jesus <laughs> so they can behold the Lamb of God. Amen. Father, thank You for the Word of God and thank You for the truths that we've talked about this morning. So pitiful, uh, the, the presentation. Please, Spirit of God, I pray that the reality of this would strike all of our hearts and minds and that we would realize this is the most important practice and habit that we can get into in our life is just simply looking to You, beholding the Lamb of God. It's all our hope. Without You, we can do nothing. We've got to understand this is the foundation of all that we have or ever will have. Behold the Lamb of God. Help us, Father, to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.